0: Hello and welcome to Brain Attack Podcast number 13, Cheating the Polygraph. I'm Andy Dovey, skirting round the truth again. Hi everyone, this podcast is about denial, or more specifically, my experiences with denial. Uh, maybe some of you fellow brain injury survivors can identify with some of this, and it might be uh, an uncomfortable listen. Firstly, though, a little bit of background, a bit of context. Uh, in the time that I call BBA, that's before brain attack, I would tend to soldier on. That was very much my personality. Um following a, a car accident i had when i was about 19 uh, i suffered off, off and on with a bad back i'd still play sport i'd still work i'd still play my drums i'd still lug my kit up and down stairs teach my son some sport etc etc and i i'd have periods where my back would flare up it would be bad it would get better be fine then it would flare up again and this, this kind of on-off cycle carried on until I, I think it was about 52, when eventually I had an MRI, which, funnily enough, was about another issue uh, that uh, the consultant thought might be related to my back. And I was diagnosed with a, a prolapse disc, L5-S1. And I'd had this since the car accident, you know, over 30 years earlier. So the question you might be asking yourself is, why had I not done anything about my back for over 30 years? Well, the simple answer is because I was in denial about it. I'm okay, No worries. All fine here. I'll soldier on. Complete denial and, and not just about my back, I have to say, about most things bad. Avoid. Bury. Pretend they're not there. Hide, obfuscate, duck and dive, dodge and weave. Throw in the old alley shuffle or Cruyff turn and uh, carry on regardless. All good, nothing to see here. Move along. I did the same thing about the death of my father and I think this is maybe where this soldiering on thing comes from when when i was 16 he was 54 i saw him die right in front of me a heart attack my mum was uh, cradling him in her arms whilst i ran out to a neighbor to call emergency services we we didn't have a telephone at that time now we never talked about this as a family it was just kind of lift up the mat sweep it under and drop the mat down And I did the same thing years, years later with the breakup of my first marriage. And the first time I I told anyone about that was when I'd already moved out of the marital home and filed for divorce. All good. Nothing to see here. Move along. So with my brain attack it was very much the same thing i remember lying in the neurosurgery ward following the uh, brain surgery that i had watching the guy opposite me attempting to get in a wheelchair for the first time and thinking better watch how he does this just in case i might need a wheelchair for a few days just in case for a few days Uh, and this this from someone who couldn't walk and was then about to be wheeled to the toilet on a commode. All good, nothing to see here, move along. Now, I know that a lot of this is is our way of coping. It's also our way of allowing the truth to seep in slowly to allow ourselves time to adjust. But I never got that far, ever. That was until I met with a clinical neuropsychologist following my discharge from hospital i I had referrals to a physiotherapist an occupational therapist and a clinical neuropsychologist and on reading the referral letter i said to my wife i don't need to see a bloody psychologist nothing wrong with me uh what an arrogant prat i was as luck would have it though the the Outpatients clinic that I was referred to, the very wonderful Oxford Centre for Enablement, was short staffed of clinical neuropsychologists. So I started seeing the physiotherapist and the OT um, within a few weeks, but I had to wait over six months to see the clinical neuropsychologist, which was actually a good thing because the passage of time, those six, seven months, helped me to understand the enormity of what had happened and it, its effects on me physically and more importantly, the effects on me emotionally. And it gave me time to dwell on that and to start processing that. So by the time I first met with Dr. Peter Hewitt, uh, I'd experienced a, a meltdown in in an fmri scanner which i'll deal with in the next podcast because that's a whole saga in itself and and i had been experiencing quite a bit of anxiety mood swings etc etc it's actually looking back probably a bit depressed but i stoically managed to keep a brave faith keep a brave face on for friends and family with the mantra all good here nothing to see move along Inside of me, in my head, it was a totally different matter. So my initial defensive knee-jerk, I don't need to see a bloody psychologist, had, now this six or seven months have passed, that had kind of mellowed and warmed to, well, can't do any harm, can it? Uh, Peter, bless his cotton socks, had me sussed in about five minutes. He said to me, you keep deflecting, mainly using humour. Now, just answer the question... Don't make a joke. Yeah, thanks, Peter. <laughs> that was hard. Talk about facing yourself in a mirror and not liking what you see. I think I had a total of 16, 17, 18 sessions with Peter um, over just over a year. And he helped me more than I can put into words. Um A truly wonderful person, compassionate yet also direct, serious but also good-humoured and he never pulled any punches, which I I really liked. I I like people who are direct. I don't like people who are a bit woolly, tell you one thing to your face and then tell you something else behind your back. Um, My wife will tell you, I hope, uh, that I'm the same lovable guy she married but much more inclined to be honest and open about expressing my feelings and emotions and and with a much better understanding and acknowledgement of me and also much much more relaxed she now calls me the upgrade the hmm. last time i saw peter was uh, several years ago so i can now look back and really see the true benefit of the work we did it these things aren't quick fixes and even now i'm recognise i'm still work in progress because certain things trigger my default mode that i'm okay i'll carry on um, but i'm getting better at recognizing when this happens and i can see how my over a denial overall denial of things i perceived as bad and my inability to talk about them how harmful that's been to me and also to those closest to me and all of this happens on a, on a subconscious level, of course. I wasn't choosing consciously to bury things, to pretend that I was okay to avoid things. It was just a mode of behavior that happened, a kind of, I'd learnt a coping mechanism. As I said earlier, I think that goes back to when my father died. And that became my kind of modus operandi, a cloak that, uh, that I wore. And it takes time to learn that you need to unlearn these things and then even more time to actually set about unlearning it so you do eventually unlearn it. Um, but if anyone asked me in the time BBA, before brain attack, if I was in <laughs> denial, I would have said, denial? Me? Nah, of course not. Uh, and therein lies the problem with this because we will deny that we're in denial with because that's all part of denial. That's it for now. In my next podcast, I'm going to be talking about anxiety, as I said earlier, specifically my meltdown in an MRI scanner. Uh, could be amusing for you. Uh, It wasn't that amusing for me at the time, but I can laugh about it now. If you need more information about the project, please go to www.brainattackmusic.com and you'll find links there where you can uh, follow me on Twitter, Facebook go to our YouTube channel and obviously find more of these podcasts. So until then, look after yourselves, take care and keep on keeping on. Bye for now.